We, um, uh, the children are invited to remain with us in the service today, and so upstairs we have some various activities, so you might hear some feet stomping up the stairs and up on the balcony, but that's just what we want for the course of this service today. The second lesson for this morning um, is from Luke 19, Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Friends, hear the word of the Lord. He entered Jericho and was passing through it, and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before I get started today, I want to just issue a huge congratulations to Erica Carlson, who um, took first place in metros for swimming uh, for the 200 IM and broke her school record last night. Speaking of little things that add up, Erica has been swimming since she's been very young, and this is a huge accomplishment, so congratulations. Um, Who here has seen Hamilton? Few. Who knows the music? A few. Okay, well, hang in there. Um, (laughs) So your homework assignment is to go home and listen to Hamilton. Just kidding. You can do whatever you want. Um, But my daughter loves Lin-Manuel Miranda. So that's the composer of Hamilton. He's the one that wrote all the songs. Um, He also wrote the songs, by the way, for Moana. So if you're familiar with Moana, then that's a little bit of what his style is. Um, And I really like Hamilton, too, by the way. But she loves Lin-Manuel Miranda. This is one of her heroes. Um, And a few months ago, I tried to introduce her to another musical that you might be familiar with. Who here has seen Les Miserables? Okay, there we go. Um, So I tried to introduce her to the world of Les Miserables, thinking that maybe she would begin to share in the love that I had for that musical. And just so you know, who thinks that it worked out? No, it didn't work out. Didn't work out at all. So she told me that it sounds a little too singy. And that additionally, that Lynn Manuel gets the feel right 
and the other composers don't. So that was good information for me to learn. So that was enough of that soundtrack in the car. Um, so a little more research uh, revealed the fact that indeed music does trigger emotional responses, right? And we're all very familiar with that, and we know that. In fact, music gets our dopamine flowing. It signals for us uh, a way to remember past events. And oftentimes, in a sort of a study, one of these like Psychology Today studies, so I apologize, it's not a great study, but we're just going to go with it. Um, in one of the studies that they've done, they noticed that, that the taste of music is actually scored on how that music makes us feel in the moment. And in addition to that, that music sort of works on a cumulative effect so that if we have a positive memory that is associated with a particular song, then when we hear that song again, it will make us feel good. So it sort of works backwards, right? It's not just how that song makes us feel in the moment that we're hearing it. It's how that song has made us feel over and over and over and over again through time. And so music actually begins to cultivate this biographical memory for us. And of course, if I were to reflect on my own experience, I had so many memories of listening to the score of Les Mis when I was in high school and in my young adult years, and so it will permanently live in my head as a classic. I can't undo that. It's part of my history, right? But not so with my daughter. For her, it's Hamilton. Hamilton is the classic that takes up that space. And I mention this example because as we keep talking about the Psalms, we keep talking about music, right? And how music functions within the life of the faith community. And as we've noticed the Psalms over this series, we've noticed that they're not monolithic, right? That they lean into lots of traditions. We can't say the Psalms are about one thing. In fact, some Psalms lean into one tradition and others will lean into a different tradition and talk about God totally differently. We have prayers for deliverance. We have songs that actually find a more national tenor. Um, and we have these deep lament songs, like Psalm 137 that we read last week, that was a heart-wrenching psalm, so hard to read within the course of worship, but so important for us to know that this makes up part of the canon of what our psalms are. And we have 150 psalms, 150 ways for the community to get at this complexity of the human heart and the way that it relates to God. Because music is never one thing, right? It's never one thing. It's lots of different things at lots of different times. And it means lots of different things to lots of different people. And in fact, there's nothing that we can do about that, <laughs> right? It's actually the way that our brains work. It's the way that our brains work. And it connects us with intimate parts of our life. The way that we react to songs are based on the way that they make us feel. So this is like the least objective thing possible, right, that we have going on within the context of scripture. 
So my question is, how does a community develop a canon? A canon just means a group that everybody holds together. How does a community of faith develop a canon of songs when we recognize that we have all of this complexity? How does it make a way for generations to pass their songs down to one another? Because the way that a song makes one generation feel is not going to be the way that it makes another generation feel, right? We just learned that we experience songs based on how they make us feel. So how do you pass them down? How do you hand them on from one generation to another? And this is also where the book of Psalms is one of our instrumental teachers and very brilliant in how we do this. At least it offers us a few ideas. Take Psalm 118, which is the psalm that we read today. This is a halal psalm, H-A-L-L-E-L, which just means praise, right? So there are certain psalms grouped within the canon of psalms that are called halal songs. They're songs of praise. And those songs were used around the Passover table, right? So children would be hearing this song in community from the time that they were babes in arms, and the song would be passed on all along the life spectrum, right? The practice of singing the psalm together would create, hypothetically, all things being sort of held equal, would create everything that we talked about when it comes to that emotional response of music. By singing it together in festival times, in times when the whole community has gathered and has come around for a particular feast, the community not only passes on its songs, but it begins to pass on its history, right? And the children begin to remember, I remember when I sang this song with such and such. And then as they grow older, they remember a different time in which they sang that song. But all of those emotional responses become cumulative, and then the song continues to be passed on. And if you reflect just briefly on Psalm 118, you can see the influence that this kind of work would have within the community. That within the community, it begins to cultivate all together this sort of corporate posture of praise. Posture of praise. And it also, if you reflect on the words, begins to cultivate a posture of gratitude. Right, a culture of gratitude. And if you go further into Psalm 118, what you'll see is that it cultivates a posture that we cannot assume that we know all that there is to know. Right? There's more that will be told in this story. The world is bigger and mightier than we are. But the song also helps us to understand that even in spite of all of this complexity, that we are undergirded in love. And these songs become these very little things that are all put together, and once they are put together, they become a very big thing. They are the little things that add up over time. Sing Psalm 118 one time, and it becomes merely a blip on the radar screen, just a a note of interest, but it doesn't actually do anything within the landscape of of the memory. Sing it many times together within a festival space, and then the psalm becomes a way of life.
right? So there's a wisdom even in the way that our, that our canon of Psalms is put together. So I just want to pause here for a second and kind of take note of all of these things, right? Because it seems like everything is going very well. We sing the music, we do it in festival spaces, we cultivate the community, and theoretically, in the way that our brains work, that should hand off this faith that we've cultivated to the future, right? Check and done. Until it doesn't work anymore, right? Until the songs stop speaking. In a world where Les Miserables takes up all of the room, how can we ever make space for something like Hamilton? And that is exactly what is happening in Luke 19. In Luke 19, we have the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus grew up with all of the songs. Zacchaeus grew up with everything. Zacchaeus was not somebody who inherited a Greek perspective or a Greek heritage. Zacchaeus was a Jew. He grew up with all of the songs. He listened He was a part of the festivals. And then, and then, and then, he became a tax collector anyway. He became a tax collector anyway. Maybe it was what he always wanted to do. But that's not exactly what the songs pointed to. Something happened. There was a break in the way that that transference went from one generation to another. At least so it seems at first glance. He was so good at being a tax collector that in fact we learn that he became a chief tax collector. So this was something that he was really good at. In fact, something that he probably began to pour his work into because It was something that he gave a lot of time to. And as we hold these two things together, this idea that he inherited all of this music, all of these songs, all of this culture that pointed towards the value of the people, and still then he became a tax collector, somebody that worked supposedly in opposition to the people. The question that we have is what happened? Did he not hear the songs that cultivated the community? Did the music stop for him? What happened? Why couldn't he make that cultural transfer? Or put another way, why couldn't the community that was around him support him in the work that he did do? I love Zacchaeus for so many reasons. But I love him especially because he takes a different way. He takes a way that not a lot of folks wanted to take. He takes a difficult path. It wasn't difficult in the, path, in the fact that he had a lot of resources, but it was difficult in the fact that he was ostracized from his community. Tax collectors were not widely accepted. In fact, he becomes sort of cast out from his community. 
They don't like him anymore. They don't want him to sit with them at lunch. You'll see that it says that all of them grumbled, right? That's your clue to understand that this is an individual that the community is not happy with. But Zacchaeus is tenacious. He's so tenacious and he does not give up. He's curious and he's determined to see Jesus. And there's a part of his past, maybe a part of those songs that are still sort of lingering inside of him. And he just can't give up. And we don't know what happens at that dinner with Jesus and Zacchaeus. We don't know what happens between the time that, that Zacchaeus says, or that Jesus says, I'm going to go and have dinner with you until the time that Zacchaeus sort of makes this decision about what he's going to do with his life from that point on. There's a lot of sort of silence in scripture around that. But what we do know is that Jesus does not ask Zacchaeus to stop being who he is. He doesn't ask him to stop. He does not ask him to stop being a tax collector. He doesn't even ask him to stop being a chief tax collector. In fact, from the meeting with Jesus, what we see is that from that point on, Zacchaeus is able to actually take his tradition the songs that were maybe buried inside, those halal psalms that he sang growing up as a kid, that he was able to take that tradition and actually put it in conversation with his current life and try to figure out now, how do we do this? What does this mean? And he's able to put those two together and he makes something new. He makes something that no one has ever seen before. Jesus doesn't give him a model. He doesn't say, you need to do this particular thing. But from that encounter, Zacchaeus takes the old and puts it in conversation with who he is and then makes a decision to move into something new. And this is the change that Jesus calls salvation. He says salvation has come to this house. And from what we can see in the text, it's the ability, one of the things that salvation is, is that it's the ability to put two seemingly impossible things together in conversation with each other and to see how something new becomes of them. And this is exactly what Zacchaeus does, and Jesus calls it salvation. And it is deeply, deeply needed in our time and location, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we are within our life spectrum, regardless of what work that we do, we are all people who are putting something old in conversation with something new and trying to figure out where God is leading us. We have a strong history and a strong tradition. And on this All Saints Day, we celebrate and we honor 
And we give thanks for all of the people that have worked so hard to get us to a place where we can be right where we are. But we also recognize that this is not everything. There's something that needs to happen from us, right? We can't just rely on the work of those that have gone, gone before us. And if you notice in the text, Jesus even calls that out. He uses that word today. Today salvation has come to this house. In that, implicitly claiming that something needs to happen now that is afresh, that is anew, that is putting the old and the new in conversation with each other. Sometimes salvation comes in the strangest ways. It is a mystery. It is hidden in a dinner conversation that no one is privy to. No one else was in the room where it happened. A few people got that reference. But it's true, nobody else was in the room where it happened. But there is a promise in that space. There is a promise with the presence of Jesus that there is one who can take the old and the new and make it alive again. Today. 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 A faithful tax collector perhaps unthinkable in that particular time and space. But yes, Jesus says, a faithful tax collector who sang the halal songs, yes, Jesus says, this too is a child of Abraham. Friends, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for these two texts. We thank you for how they can be put in conversation with one another We thank you that there is something new going on and that you call us to the space of today, that we celebrate and honor the past, but we also make a move into the future. We also, in this time and space, give thanks for this morning's offering for the gifts that have been given here in this space, but also for those who have been given for also for the gifts that have been given, not by the offering of the plate, but for the many ways that we are able to give of our tithes and resources within the context of this work. In your name, amen. When the ushers are ready, they are welcome to come forward.